One of the most important things I think is the people you surround yourself with. I don't know if that's talked about enough. I think if you are constantly around people who are talking about plastic surgery, who are talking about their weight, who are talking about their appearance, and like the conversation is around the next bag they're buying or whatever, like that is what is filling up your mind and what is on your mind. And so I think protecting your peace in that way is really important. In terms of personally what I'm doing, I've actually felt that I felt more beautiful as I've gotten older, and I hope it continues on that trend. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's guest is Danielle Robay. Danielle is a TV host and journalist and host of Ease While You Were Streaming. She is also the creator of the video podcast, Pretty Smart, and the best-selling card game, Question Everything, 52 Cards for Deeper Conversation. Previously, you may have seen Danielle on IMDb, NBC, E, Extra, Entertainment Tonight Online, and more. Today on the show, we discuss why reframing negative thoughts is essential for building confidence, why self-validation is crucial for personal growth, the power of fitness for improving mental health, why having the right relationships can boost how you feel about yourself, how Danielle transformed her relationship with self-judgment and judging others, and so much more. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Danielle Robay to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Danielle, welcome to the podcast. Doug, thank you for having me. I know one of the things that you've struggled with in the past is judgment and not just judgment towards others or from others, but judgment towards yourself. Talk a bit about how judging yourself like presented problems in your life. Like what did you do to bring self-awareness around that? And then how did you like transform that relationship? First of all, I'm blown away by this question because this means you really did a lot of research because that's not written anywhere. That's from somebody like that's probably a random thing I said during a podcast. So first of all, thank you from one interviewer to another. I, I honor you. Yeah, you know, I so I have like PSA Danielle, which was like pre self-actualization and that was like pre-therapy. I'd never asked myself any questions and I asked people questions for a living. And once I started going down that route of self-actualization, everything changed for me. And I started going to see a therapist and each week we would have these sessions and I just felt so comfortable and open with her. And I said, how can I give this gift that you're giving me to my friends and my family? Because like, I want to listen non-judgmentally. It's truly a gift you're giving someone. And she kind of smirked at me and she said, you're not going to like my answer, Danielle. And I said, okay, well, tell me. And she said, we judge others less when we judge ourselves less. And I, it, it hit me right in the chest because... First of all, of course, because everything starts internally and, you know, you never want to think about it like that. But second of all, I don't think I had realized that I had been judging myself so critically. And 
now, anytime I have a thought about, I, I've noticed that that's decreased as I've worked on it, but anytime I have a thought, for instance, if you're watching TV and you see someone and you're like, oh, they don't look good. It's a judgment and really it's a fear within yourself. So I always now double back and think, okay, what, do, what am I thinking about myself? What does that actually mean? And what am I fearful of? And it's been amazing because she was right. My therapist was right. As I judge myself less, I judge others less. And it's a gift to me and the other person. What were you fearful of? Like when you were looking at people on TV, like what were some of the things you, were, you would consistently judge yourself for? I don't think it was a, like a specific judgment that was overarching. It was more, I saw it show up in my family a lot. I think we're really judgmental of the people closest, probably. Like my mom in particular probably got the brunt of it, whether that was warranted or not. And I would judge the way she communicated or I would judge the way she went about something. And, and I had to really detach from that and, and realize that was her and not me. I think a lot of times we we project our own emotions and insecurities onto other people. Like if we are criticizing somebody else for their success, a lot of times we want that success or we're not happy with our own success or the way we're navigating it. If we or if we are criticizing somebody for their relationship, odds are there's something inside of our own relationship with ourselves or somebody else that we need to work on. Like you never really hear people that are happy with themselves like criticizing people. I mean, sure, they 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 can hold people accountable, they can give advice, but never from like a place of judgment. It's always, in many cases, compassion. I think there's a difference. Do you think there's a difference between judgment and criticism? Yeah, I mean, I think it just all depends on the context. I think like, I, I think, I mean, I think because I think judgment, I think of like a broad thing where criticism, a lot of times you're picking out like something specific about somebody or something. Because I don't, I never felt like I was criticizing somebody, but I did feel like maybe I was judgmental. So yeah, now you're making me think about what the difference is. Yeah, we can have another conversation about that like another time. I think yeah, there's, it's too there's existential. A lot, well, there's, and there's a lot we could cover there. And I'm just fascinated by you talking about this because there's so many people that struggle with this very thing where they, they fear judgment from others. They, they struggle with judgment towards others and they have a hard time realizing that it's actually it starts with them it starts with them being comfortable with their their own self and not judging themselves being comfortable and confident with who they are so that they're able to have a healthier relationship in the context of other people everything is always internal it's it's the honestly if someone could go back to like my 13 year old self and tell me something like a cheat code about life it would be like always look within yourself. The answer, the question, all of it is you always have to start here first. And it, and it seems just based on some things I've heard you say during our conversation so far that you're really focused now on validating yourself from the internal and that you really focus yourself, focus on doing that from that perspective. I know in, in previous eras of your life, you had gotten a lot of validation from the external. And my question is, like, when was the time in your life where you realized you had to make this shift to transform your relationship with validation so that you could really focus on validating yourself internally and not just externally? I've, I don't think I ever found validation from the outside. It was more that I recognized I found so much happiness from the inside stuff that 
I wanted to share that. I think maybe the only thing I can think about was my relationship with my weight in high school because my, so I have a podcast called Pretty Smart and the basis of it is that I read a book called Beauty Sick and at the beginning she says, she's a psychologist and she asks everybody, would you rather be hit by a truck or considered fat? And 54% of women say they'd rather be hit by a truck. And when I read that book, I thought, oh my God, in high school, I would have said I'd rather be hit by a car than considered fat for sure. And I felt so much shame around that because like, holy shit, you don't like value your life enough. Like you, that's how fearful you are of, of being seen as fat. And so I had since healed that part of me. And I thought about all the pretty women in my life and they were pretty bold, pretty witty, pretty strong, pretty smart. And so I interview women who put a new spin on pretty. And I'm not sure if that's what you're alluding to in terms of internal versus external validation. But I think, you know, being, we're humans. We're, we're of course, are going to think about what we look like. I, I want to feel good and look good. I, I Even just for myself, if I have a partner, I want to look good for them. Like, it's totally normal. But I think if that's the number one thing you think about during the day, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Like, you're not going to be happy because there's always a new cream to buy, a new skirt to buy. Like there's always going to be something to fill that void and you're never, there's always going to be someone thinner, prettier, younger, all the things. And it's just like, you have to think about where your power comes from. And, you know, I love questions. So I always, I think to myself, Danielle, like, where does your power come from? If I start to feel insecure in any way. And I always come back to my power is my heart. My power is my intellect my questions. I think I'm a great conversationalist. That, my connectability, I think that is where my power comes from. And if if you ask yourself that question, I think it kind of reframes beauty. Yeah, I was, I was more getting at that. I've heard you talk about that you've had is, issues like abandoning yourself in certain areas of your life. And also that you didn't know who you were outside of your job during periods of your life. And I think in many cases, when you're abandoning yourself to get something, whether it's a relationship or a job, a lot of times what happens just from my own experience is it's because you're focused on getting that thing and checking a box in your life versus on like validating yourself on the inside and knowing that whatever it is on the outside, like aligns with that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think, what, tell me if I'm hearing you that you want your insides to match your outsides. A hundred percent. I love that. I think that we are, I personally have been unhappy when my insides don't match my outsides. But part of that is Hollywood, right? Because perception is reality. And so you almost have to pretend you are successful before you are successful. And that stretch of time for me was really difficult because I am so Midwest, so Chicago, and what you see is what you get. And I'm never really going to lie to you. Like, if you ask me, how I'm doing, I'm going to be like, I'm good, but you know, my finances aren't really in order right now. And like, I'm, I'm an open book. I'll tell you it all. And so you can't always do that. And that part was hard for me. Now I think I feel more confident in just being real and, and saying it, but yeah, I, I, I do hear what you're saying. I think that portion in time, the climb can sometimes be challenging. Yeah, the climb can be challenging because we want to feel like we've made it. We want to feel like we're having success. And I think in, a, in the world of like Hollywood, it's so competitive. Like there's, there's so much around you. There's people getting awards. There's people, you know, 
breaking records. There's they're getting all these kinds of accolades all around you. And it's like, you have to find a way to kind of figure out what your level of success looks like there. Like what, I know you're big into to therapy. What have been some of the, the big things that you've worked on with your therapist to help yourself not abandon yourself, whether it's in your job, whether it's in relationships, friendships and stuff like that? Oh, I love that question so much. Thank you. I think one of the big things, and I'm still working on it, is I was I was at the gym a few years ago and this guy asked me out and I didn't want to go out with him and I gave him my number anyways and I went to therapy after and I was like, why did I do that? Why didn't I just say no in the moment? Like, I didn't want to go out with him. And she was like, well, the real question is, why are you willing to make yourself uncomfortable so that somebody else is more comfortable? And I was like, I don't know, but I still do it sometimes. <laughs> and that's, I think, what you're talking about with the abandonment of yourself. Like, that's a small example of it, is just really trying to not be a people pleaser and not, like, I, I have to try and disengage from somebody else's discomfort in order to preserve my own. And honestly, I'm still working on that. One of the big things that has helped are boundaries. And those are different for everybody. So I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. But saying no is is really powerful. And saying no with, with love and care. Because when I first learned about boundaries, I was like, I don't want to be like a rigid person who who doesn't help or doesn't serve or doesn't go out of their way. That's like, that's stuff about me that I really value. But there's a way to do all those things and preserve your own health and sanity and all of those things. And so I think saying no with love and with care is, is a big lesson too. Could you give the audience an example of how you say love or you say no with love and care? Somebody comes up to you at the gym, they start talking to you, they ask you for your number to get a drink, get some food, whatever. What's the, how does the conversation shift? I love this. Okay, so two things. One, my therapist told me that sometimes in these scenarios, white lies are okay, which I I never really, it was hard for me to swallow that, but I see what she means because sometimes it's really easy to just be like, you know, I just kind of started seeing somebody and I want to see where it goes. And it's a way easier out than saying, I don't want to go out with you. But if you do want to just totally be upfront then I think you can say, you know, I'm not in a place right now to do that, but thank you so much. I'm really flattered. What is your thoughts on the, the white lie? Because again, no judgment, but my, my opinion of that is that it's still the same thing, just a different twist. Like you're still not really telling the truth. You're telling this person that because you're still afraid to actually tell them how you truly feel. So do you feel that there's like this level of like, disconnect between your truest self and like your words when if you would if you were to say something like that it's interesting you say that the white lie isn't for me either I decided and I think it's because I needed to be so practiced at saying no that I, I like the pendulum had to swing for me so I had to really practice saying no truthfully but if you're somebody who doesn't deal with that as much as me or maybe you then I think the white lie it's fine in, in that scenario, not in close, intimate relationships. The lie is never good. Yeah, I, th I think it's a good stepping stone for sure for somebody that really is afraid of saying no and going from the person who just says yes and goes out on dates, you know, very frequently with people they don't want to go out with 
to now it's like, all right, instead of spending like two hours out of your on a Tuesday night that you don't need to spend, you can at least, you know, tell this little white lie to help you get comfortable with just re rejecting somebody while on the path to rejecting somebody in a truthful and honest manner like that. I would, How that do I you would say no with. tactfully? I don't, I mean, it's just, it depends. Like I don't really get, I mean, when people, I, I mean, I'll have girls ask me out from time to time. Normally, like I'm, well, I'm going to give you a different scenario. Okay. Somebody pitches you to be on the podcast and it's not a fit. Oh, I'll just say, hey, um, you know, thank you so much for, you know, thinking of me. I, I really appreciate it. I don't think it's a fit right now, but if something changes, I'll be happy to reach out. That's so nice. Before, I sometimes I just wouldn't answer. And then I had somebody who's like a, men a mentor of mine be like, hey, if you want people to get back to you, just get back to other people. Like, that's just like proper etiquette. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Like, I can't be a hypocrite. So I've now since changed. And unless it's like a mass email, if it's like, if I can tell I'm being spammed and this email is going to a million people, then I'm okay not responding. But if it's like a personal email from somebody, I'll just politely decline. Or if it's somebody I have an existing relationship with and I can try to figure out a way to make it work. I will, as long as it's within the values and context of my show, like I don't sacrifice that at all. No, I agree. I, I don't either. I, I always think if you are human first, which I think is like lead with your heart, which you did. So you said the sentence, thank you so much for thinking of me. You acknowledge the person, you say something from your heart, and then you say what you need to say. And, I, and I'm not, I'm no saint when it comes to like the rejection part of dating and, and handling relationships in that context properly. I mean, I had my own, I mean, not to talk about myself, but I had my own issues with external validation and just going out with people for the sake of going out with people in my twenties. And what I found was I was incredibly like miserable afterwards because I would just be so hard on myself for saying yes to somebody for the sake of saying yes, just to get attention only to come home and be like, I knew I shouldn't have done that or I did it for the wrong reasons. Like, why can't you feel comfortable with yourself like being alone? I hear you. Do you think that was, cause I'm, I'm confused what you're, as, as to what you're saying is external validation. So I think that external validation can be things like praise from, I mean, her, somebody that that somebody in a romantic way, it can be somebody complimenting me on the way I look. Could be success, could be fame, could be followers on social media. And I think anytime I'm doing that for the sake of making myself happy and not for it aligning with who I am as a person, I think that's where the slope gets slippery. Like I think that notoriety can be great but if it becomes this drug that you just constantly chase to fill yourself up it's a slippery slope to bring it back to one of your first questions what because i what did you hear me say in an interview that made you feel or ask about because i'm i'm confused about the external validation thing well i heard i've heard i've heard you talk about that you know you the reference you made earlier about that there was a point in your life where You'd rather be hit by a car than be fat, right? So, oh, to, got you, got you. So there was that. Then I've heard you right. talk about your identity in your career and that you didn't really know who you were outside of your career, which I think sometimes like people can get caught up in yeah. 
using a career to validate themselves without really truly validating themselves internally. And then I've, you know, heard you talk. Oh, interesting. I've never thought about it that way. I mean, I guess it's just, just my, my, my opinion and that sometimes like our career identifies us and people get lost without that, that if, if our career to be, were to be taken away from us, like, who are we? Right. If like, you know, could you be happy with yourself if entertainment tonight said, you know what, like no more, or your media was like, no more. Like, could you still be happy with yourself? Yeah. I mean, I've had, I've had shows end all the time and I think I know this is going to sound so corny, so bear with me, but it's not that my career is my identity. I feel like such a strong sense of purpose I have since I was, I remember feeling it at like five years old, honestly. I was sitting in kindergarten, I remember feeling it, that it is part of my identity and it's part of my identity today. And I don't have any shame around it. I like have fully leaned into it because it's, I get to like live it out through some of these vehicles that are these networks that I work for or work with, but my purpose belongs to me no matter what. So what did you mean? I guess when I, what made me pose the question is, so what did you mean when I heard you on another interview say that like somebody asked you like, who is Danielle Robay with, without like your job or something? And you were like, I couldn't really truly answer that until a few years ago or something like that. I had to really figure out who I was as a person so that you're right. I guess, you know what? You're right. It was, ex I, I, I can't believe I didn't see it. You're right. It was external validation in that I wanted to work for a certain network. I wanted to, to have a certain, yeah, I wanted a certain job so that I, I could feel like I, I did what I set out to do. And I actually think that a small amount of that is, is still okay because you can strive. You just have to like feel whole on the inside in tangent with that, which I do now. Right. Post-therapy. <laughs> Thank you for going down that rabbit hole with me. Oh, it's all good. I'm glad we could bring this back full circle. So how did you bridge those two things to where you were able to be obviously okay with who you are while also like chasing your dream and, and working for these networks? I think I um, had to ask myself a lot of questions. So uh, when I was unemployed, I quit a job that I thought was my dream job. I was the youngest person they hired. I went in with so much confidence. I was so excited. And after six months, I quit. I was like, cr I would cry in the bathroom at lunch. I hated the job. And I was living off my credit cards, which... I hate it because like financial instability, it's just so anxiety ridden. And I was applying for jobs, but also trying to do some inner work at the same time. And I wrote a list of like 800 questions that I wanted to ask people I, would, I knew I would interview one day. Oprah, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, like all these, these people from different industries. And I had a list. And then I went to have breakfast with Larry King, who was my mentor before he passed. And he signed my microphone. That's awesome. Um, that I keep right there. And he was the most insatiably curious person I had ever known. And I asked him a million questions. He asked me a million questions. And I went back to that list and I thought, 
I've never asked myself any of these questions. So I started asking myself like four or five of those a day. And by the time I got to the end of the list, I felt so much more confident. I was way more interesting at dinners. I was way more interested and practiced at asking questions. In turn, people were drawn to me, like strangers, I could tell. Even my own family members were, like, they would change up. I would ask my mom and dad certain questions, and I could think, I could hear them thinking and feeling this sort of magnetism. And that's when I put the card deck question everything, uh, which is 52 cards for deeper conversation together, because I thought everybody is curious and wants to have meaningful conversation. And sometimes you just don't know what to ask or you don't know the entry point in or there's social anxiety or you don't know the right time. And so to gamify it and just put it in the card deck makes it so fun and easy and accessible. And all of my like self-actualization started with therapists asking me questions and then the real work when I asked myself these questions. And so that's a long-winded answer to say that is really the birth of the card deck. And we're going to play the game here shortly, but I, what I want to know is like, what were some of the, what was like one or two of the questions that Larry King gave you that were pretty instrumental in your like self-discovery process? He didn't give me questions to ask myself. He just would ask me a million questions. So he honestly, truly the most in, innately curious person. So like I would sit at the table and he'd be like, what'd you read this morning? Why'd you order that? Do you, are raspberries your favorite? How'd you get here? Did you ever take the bus? I hate the bus. And he would just go on tangents. And what do you think of the phone? And why are people obsessed with the Kardashians? And did you ever interview this person? This is what I would have asked. Like, he was just so dynamic and curious. And like, he would hold court at this breakfast table. He had like six friends who were all childhood friends. And they would have breakfast six days a week at different delis in LA. And he, it, it was like a wind-up toy. He would just go. That's so crazy. Yeah, I mean, he was a legend in the space, right? He was a pioneer and really paved the way for a lot of people. He was the king of questions. Yeah, the king of questions. So going back to that, you asked some, some great questions too. You came up with a card game that encapsulates that. Would have, been, would have been some of the most instrumental questions you've asked yourself that have led to personal growth? So I think that part of this is timeliness because you really have to think about where you're at. So certain questions hit you at different times. Something I've been asking myself a lot lately is when I feel something, I think about where am I feeling this in my body? And that sounds a little esoteric, but bear with me. So if you're feeling that in your chest, uh, if it's a warmth, it sometimes signals love. If it's a tightness, it signals anxiety. Do you feel it in your gut? Uh, is it intuition, which is positive? Or is it like this sort of sick to your stomach and it's trying to warn you about something? I think there's like a positive and negative and your back, right? Like your back can signal if you have like longstanding back pain, certain stress in your life. So I've been thinking a lot about that. What's another question I ask myself? I think a really good one, sometimes questions are clarifiers. So if you're having trouble figuring out what you want to do, switch the question and say, how do I want to show up? Who do I want to be in the world? And write down those answers. And a lot of times those answers will lead you to what you want to do, even though, you know, you're not asking yourself that exact question. Questions are such good, like gatekeepers to growth, right? They're great. 
means of there they can be great modes of transformation for people because i think a lot of times people it's almost like they know what they need to do it's just a matter of figuring out how and i think when you ask yourself a question or you put pen to paper you're able to get a lot of clarity on like what's the next step to take what's the next turn you need to make who do you need to cut out of your life what do you need to you know input into your life What's the opportunity in this experience? How could I be looking at it differently? What's the other side of this coin? Five or 10 years from now, how do I want to remember this moment? What lesson can I take from this? Yeah, I think there's so many. What's your relationship like now with, with being like, I know, like I, I know I heard you say when you were talking about judging yourself that you've also throughout the course of your life, you've been hard on yourself at times, like about you know, about certain things. Like how, how does that present itself now in the work that you do and how do you combat it? We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, wanted to give a quick shout out to this episode's sponsor, Just Thrive. I have covered the topic of gut health extensively on the show and why it is so important to have a healthy microbiome. 80 to 90% of Americans suffer from some type of gut issue and 70 to 80% of your immune system is in the gut. And while cleaning up your diet and managing your stress should be at the foundation of addressing your gut health, a probiotic can certainly be very beneficial. When buying a probiotic, you want to be sure that you get one that actually works and delivers on their promises. Research shows that 99.9% .9 of them die in your stomach acid before they reach your gut. That's where Just Thrive Probiotics stands out from the crowd. Their proprietary strains have been third-party clinically tested and proven to arrive 100% alive in your gut, unlike other probiotics that die on the way. But that's not all. Their probiotics have more clinical research than any other products on the market and are proven to work. So if you are tired of struggling with gut issues like gas, bloating, and indigestion, look no further than Just Thrive Probiotics. So for a limited time, you can get 20% off your first 90-day bottle of Just Thrive Probiotic. So visit JustThriveHealth.com and use promo code Doug to get 20% off. Again, it's JustThriveHealth.com and use promo code Doug to get 20% off. Now back to the show. I don't. I'm so bad at it. If anybody has suggestions, let me know. I just did it the other day. I interviewed Sweetie and the interview went really well and I got great feedback from the whole team. And then I saw the edited video and I was like, ah, I would have done this differently and I should have done this differently. And yeah, but you know, it helps me to hear other people talk about it. Like Barbara Walters was such a mentor of mine from afar. I never got to meet her. And she said she always would do that. She would look back at her interviews and be like, I should have asked this. I should have done this. I should have worn this. I think it's part of this quest for excellence that I'm forever on. And yeah, I don't know. If anybody has any suggestions, please hit me on Instagram. <laughs> it's tough, right? Because that's, that's a pendulum. And I mean, do you want my advice or do you want to move on to the yeah, next question? Yeah, please share. I think part of the part of the the win with this, part of the, the the like the flex is acknowledging that two things can be true. Like, there's two extremes in this. That the thing that probably makes you really great is that you're hard on yourself. You have a strong work ethic. You practice excellence. You have a, you set a high bar for yourself. But that also has a negative extreme too in that when you do do a great job you're always no matter how good it was you're always going to question like could i have done better could i've done this better or like if you end up like you know if you're in a relationship just generally you're like could i have done better is this better did this really go that well or i mean you just fill in the blank right and 
And so I think just acknowledging that and also accepting that that's kind of normal and that every positive trait has an opposing negative trait. I mean, that's the actual definition of wisdom is holding true op- two opposite truths at once. And it's just just figuring out a way to like dance between those two things effectively. But I think a lot of times people, they teeter-totter between those two things. And what happens is they let the negative side of that just weigh them down because they're like, why am I so hard on myself? Why am I so hard on myself? And then they nitpick at everything and then that becomes a pattern. You can't let it weigh you down. No. I sort of have like a funeral for the for the negativity and I'm on to the next because there's too much positive to be had. So I, I knew we've, we've, we've touched on like a lot when it comes to, we talked about external validation, internal validation, beauty, some of the stuff from your childhood. You know, now I would say that it's probably harder to not pay attention to beauty and, and looks and your body and stuff, given the world that we live in, given the access that we have, filters, plastic surgery, all these things that impact the way people look that may not, that, that may, you know, in a way like make us feel a certain way. How do you navigate that relationship now? With, with with the way you look, how do you validate yourself in t- on the inside so that you don't fall into that comparison trap? One of the most important things, I think, is the people you surround yourself with. I don't know if that's talked about enough. I think if you are constantly around people who are talking about plastic surgery, who are talking about their weight, who are talking about their appearance... And like the conversation is around the next bag they're buying or whatever, like that is what is filling up your mind and what is on your mind. And so I think like protecting your peace in that way is really important and actually truly not talked about enough. In terms of personally, what I'm doing is I've actually felt that I felt more beautiful as I've gotten older. And I hope it continues on that trend. I'm sure that there will be moments where I don't feel good because that's just life. I think I've cultivated tools and like self-talk. So a lot of it is about noticing things. And if I notice the negativity in the self-talk, then I, I stop it and I'm able to redirect. When I was younger, I didn't notice it. I just would be like, oh, you're so like, I feel so fat. I'm so, you know, and now, if, I, if I'm like, oh, I feel so bloated, I'm like, your body is working for you. Say thank you. Like, you're digesting. So th- reframing and having gratitude for what's working, I think, is really important and helpful. And generally, coming back to the idea of where does your power come from? Like, I feel so, I'm 32, I feel so much more powerful than I ever have and that all comes from like the skin knees and the the oops and the jobs I hated and the emails I shouldn't have sent and the relationships I screwed up and you know like all of the the mess that is now where my power comes from because I feel so much more educated do you think that one of the main reasons that you feel more attractive now is because you've done the work on yourself and from the inside and you're able to appreciate your beauty more? A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think about 
my body, my face, I think about everything differently. Yeah. and, And I notice that if I'm starting to think about things that are physically quote unquote wrong, I know to redirect because I'm like, what are you actually upset over? Like, are you thinking that you're like, like not feeling good about your weight or are you like obsessing over something at work and it's like redirecting? And so now I like, no. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good to, again, to have like the self-awareness around like how you're feeling about certain things, like your perception on certain things, because I think what can happen is if you, you may look a certain way and on the outside, people might be in like, be like, you know what, you're, you're beautiful. You're super attractive. But if on the inside, you don't feel that way, you don't feel confident about yourself. You're never going to be able to like appreciate that. And then I think once you're able to have some reframes and kind of bridge that gap between the internal and the external, you're able to look back and be like, man, like I am beautiful. Like I am attractive and not just because of the way I look, but because of the way that I've grown and the way that I like feel about myself. And I think that right there is it's a game changer and it creates a massive sense of empowerment for people when they can reach that point. Well, it sounds sort of trite, but it's just very true, right? Like your light comes from the inside. But I actually think that we don't talk about men's appearance and body image and confident confidence enough. Can I ask you a personal question? Yeah. Do you struggle with body image or appearance at all? Like, how do you think about it? Because you're also on camera. This could be a great conversation for your podcast, but I will, I'll, I'll keep it short because it, there is a story here I, and I don't want to take up too much time talking about me, which what's, but it's fine. But I will say like, I was, when I was, when I was, when I was a kid, I was always overweight. I was made fun of. I was bullied. I never got attention from women. I was picked on a lot at school. So I ended up eventually turning to drugs, which led me to being incarcerated and, and that sort of thing. That's again, another conversation for another day, but in in the context of this, like if somebody was like, Doug, like what will make you happy? What will make you stop all the madness? What will make you smile? I would have said, I want a six pack, you know, big biceps. I want to date pretty girls and I want to make money. That's like, you know, legal, but I want to make good money. And ended up transforming my life in jail, got out, stayed on a crazy fitness path, lost a bunch of weight, got to a crazy place fitness-wise where I was incredibly ripped, had a super low percentage of body fat, big biceps, was dating pretty girls or getting attention, I should say, from pretty girls. I've never really had formulated like actual relationships. And I, w- and I was making good money and I was still miserable. And it was because I hadn't connected those dots. I didn't validate myself from the inside, like I couldn't appreciate the external things because I was using that as a drug. Like I was using validation from girls as a way to get a rush about how I felt about myself. And I still saw the old version of me in the mirror. I still saw the overweight dog, the drug dealer, the drug addict, the person that got made fun of. So when people would compliment me or they would say I would look like certain actors that were attractive or they would say that I looked a certain way with my body, like I didn't believe it. So it was hard for me to appreciate it. And so my, my mind would always go to how can I get more ripped? How can I make more money? How can I date or get attention from a prettier girl only to find myself like completely broken spiritually, 
because I had thought that if I climbed this mountain of vanity and validation and happiness from a fitness perspective, that all of my problems would go away. I really appreciate you sharing that. I think that more men feel that way than speak it out loud. And regardless of gender, it's it's this feeling that all humans have of like, I just want to be enough. That's where it comes from. That's the deepest part of it. Right. And I think that at the foundation of that, it's like that we want to feel feel valued and feel like we're doing good, right? Because I think as a man, our identity is can be wrapped up in, especially I think as kids sometimes, it's like, who who are you dating? Are you on the sports teams? Who are your friends? You know, and then that as you grow, it's like, what's your profession? What's your status? Wh- what do you look like? And again, two things can be true. We talked about that earlier with you. Like, I think physical attraction in relationships is in- extremely important. It's not the end all be all, but I think you have to be attracted to your partner, right? I think health is incredibly important. Like, I think having a healthy, you know, relationship with fitness and with food and and all that I think is incredibly important. I think making money is important. Success is important, right? But again, it's like, what are you using that for? Are you using it to fill yourself up or are you using it to, as an extension to build off of how you already feel about yourself? Yeah, there's this, um, when I think of social media, there's this quote that's like, use it, don't be used by it. And I I think it's actually really similar with all of the appearance things, right? Like just be aware. I call it invisible hours when women are getting ready. It's like the hour or two hours that you spend putting on makeup, doing your hair. And if that's how you want to spend your time, if it's a creative outlet to you, then more power to you. Sometimes I feel that way. You know, there's a night where I feel that way. But if you're just doing it without recognizing why, then you felt you've fallen into the trap because if you if you were recognized and maybe you didn't like that, what what could you spend that hour doing that men necessarily aren't? Could you be reading a book? Could you be learning a language? Could you be sleeping and resting? Like, you know, there's all these things. So I think truly just being observant of of the why and, and why you're doing things is so powerful for any gender. Hundred percent. So from a I guess from a more broad perspective, like staying on this topic, like how do you think we can collectively start to make make a shift when like, you know, it's 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 you can't it's hard to just change like the societal norms of what's important, right? And like I talked about, like these things are important, but how can we help people notice the importance of these things without letting it like overtake their lives? Well, I think the first thing is to recognize the the currency like for for women in general our currency is our appearance and for men it's money and power and both of those things in many ways are out of your control money and power is a little bit more in your control but it's still like an impossible standard to live up to and and I think super detrimental and not fair so recognizing that and then changing the conversation, right? Like to bring it full circle, when we judge ourselves less, we judge others less, like truly doing the inner work to feel beautiful yourself, to not judge yourself, to recognize any negative talk, give yourself the affirmations, all those things. 
we'll start to view the world differently because I don't have control over anybody else. But I hope that with this podcast or with my podcast, Pretty Smart, that some of the conversations you and I are having spark something in somebody that that make them want to question things, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely all starts with like the self and like doing the the work and like figuring out where a lot of these views on yourself about yourself come from and i think that the deeper layer to that like the the ultimate like the ultimate win there i think is being able to acknowledge it but then like taking action because what i see a lot of right now is people getting stuck in that awareness part and being like i have these patterns or i, I went through this in my past and i did these things and they they think that that's like enough. It's just to recognize it. Well, I think that's a great first step. the The real step, not the yeah, the real change happens when you move forward and you start to change some of these thoughts and change some of these patterns and like take action. And like for instance, if if you're somebody who recognizes that the way you talk to yourself resulted results from the way that you were raised or whatever, which happens happened with me, it's like all right. Well, how are you going to change your identity like how are you what are you what met what are you what steps are you going to take to change the way you talk to yourself well i interviewed a child psychologist and i i'm obsessed with confidence because i'm mm. like how do you raise a kid with confidence you right. know i think it's like such a key to life and she said confidence comes from competence right which i've never forgotten so you're right the idea of taking action doing things practicing like you know i talked about i hope that these conversations spark something I constantly am learning other people's conversations spark something in me. And so it's just about practicing anything to be a little bit kinder to yourself. It's that practice part because nobody's perfect. What has been, what has been a moment in your life where you've practiced like taking a step towards something that's created some confidence in your life? I think weight training was really instrumental in my life because it made me feel independent and strong mentally and spiritually. Like the idea that I could lift my own suitcase up on the airplane, no problem. I didn't need anybody. I could carry my own stuff. And I'm five one. Like people don't expect that I can carry as much as I can carry, you know? That has actually been really instrumental in my life. And it, it more than physically, like spiritually and, and emotionally and mentally. That's been a helpful practice. I think the self-talk about my body, like now, anytime I have a negative thought, I, I think about where it's really coming from. The reframe, that's been really helpful and, and just questioning where it's coming from. Yeah, it's, it's so important to kind of figure out where things come from. And I think it's awesome that you found like weight training and it's been such a positive, had such a positive impact, not just on your like physical health, but also like your mental, spiritual and emotional health. Like what specifically do you think it is about like weight training other than like the sense of empowerment you get from like building the muscle, like you talked about with the suitcase, like what do you think specifically about weight training is, is meaningful for your confidence? Well, one, I'm doing something for me, right? I have an hour every day where I'm doing something just for me. It's not for anybody else. It's, I'm not a scientist, but like, I know there's some stuff that's going on with my endorphins <laughs> that's <laughs> helping. 
I'm actually really creative when I'm working out. Um, I get some of my best ideas when I'm working out. And so I value that time so much for my work, actually. But there's a sense of independence that I get from it that I, I really can't overstate. It's, it's the idea that I'm good. Like, I got it. I can lift my suitcase. I can get over this breakup. I can, you're like, I'm, I'm tough mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. I love how, I love when I hear stories of people talking about how weight training has been instrumental in their transformation, not just from a, from a physical standpoint, but from a mental and emotional standpoint. I, I don't want to like ever, I think it's a hard topic with mental health because there are things that only medicine can help. And I want to be sensitive to that. That said, if anyone feels sad, go try walking, running, work, whatever that, that releases for you, something physical. I think we don't really talk about the whole mental health thing with, with working out. Like it's, it's kind of said, but not really understood. Yeah. It's, 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 it's so important for your mental health to, whether you're on medication or not, in my opinion, to move your body. Right. Cause I think the uh, again, I'm not a scientist and by no means it's just, this is not medical advice. However, I don't think that medicine fixes the whole problem. I do think that you have to still take care of your health, still uh, make some lifestyle changes that will help you improve your sleep, improve your relationships, improve your relationship with yourself. And I think fitness is a great tool, whether that's weight training or walking or yoga. You, get, you have to obviously find what works for you. So I'm really glad we talked. we talked about this because it is important for mental health and it doesn't get talked about enough. And I think that the more people can lean into that and know that they have these tools that are right here in front of them. You don't need a gym necessarily. You don't need to watch a video. You can just get outside and do the thing that it'll give people more confidence like as they go throughout their life that they can handle hard situations. Well, I'm, I, I feel like nervous to ever give anybody advice because like I am so imperfect myself but I just know what makes me feel good. And I, I know if I'm sad and I can go sweat, it changes my whole state of mind. No, I, I, think, I think there's a difference too between like giving your opinion and giving advice, right? I, I think like you're, you're, just, you're just sharing what works for you. I'm kind of just sharing what I think works for me and that what I've heard works for a lot of people. And this isn't specific to anybody. Like obviously if you're under med, med mental distress, you need to go, you know, to go talk to your nearest, um, like healthcare provider and just see how they can help you. But I think fitness is a, is a great tool to help people feel better, whether they're it's an amazing tool. Yeah. Before we play the card game, I want to talk about one of the other amazing tools that we've kind of touched on, but not, we didn't go too deep into, and that is the people we spend time with. I know you've in recent times, you've done like friendship cleanses. I think that's incredibly powerful and i think yeah people, girl bye <laughs> <laughs> i i think people have a hard time letting go of people that aren't bringing the best out in them what made you do that like what made you cut people out of your life and how did you do that it felt very natural i didn't like set out on a mission to do it it all felt really organic when was it i think the last time i did sort of a a purge was 2018 I was going through a breakup and I think, you know, when you're in pain and uh, you're vulnerable, you're extra sensitive. 
in a in a hard way, but also in a way that makes you like really take stock of your life. And if I was on the phone with somebody who was consistently draining me or I felt like we didn't have anything to connect on or we weren't adding value to each other's life, I kind of just let it slide. And I didn't say anything. I don't know if this is the right way to do it. Like my friend is actually doing one right now and her therapist was like, you need to write a text message that states that you are ending the friendship. That's not my way. I just kind of like let it go and let it fade naturally. And through the fade, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I think like it just it just kind of happens. You know, you don't answer the phone as much and it's sort of like a romantic relationship. It just kind of fades naturally if it's not right. Right. Yeah. But, you know, Steve Harvey has this great quote that is so simple and so true. And he, he says it in terms of romantic relationships, but I think it, it works for friendships, too, that you can't buy a new car if your old car's in the garage. Like, get rid of the old car. And truly, every time you purge something from your life that is not working, something beautiful comes along. You don't necessarily know when. And I'm not going to say better, but something beautiful comes along. And so... You'll, you know, you'll have a new car. What do you do when you're looking to like identify the types of people you want to spend time with and how do you like find those people? Yeah, I, it's such a feeling for me. Is it a feeling for you? You just know if you click or not. I mean, I'm so, I'm like a, I'm so like type A. So it, it is, I'm sure it comes back to some feeling, but, but yes, I mean, it's, I'm more like identify in my mind, like, all right, like, where do I want to go in my life? What are my goals? And then it's like, all right, like, what are some things I need to do to like, meet people along the way. Oh, that's interesting. I've never thought about it like that. I just kind of like know who I gravitate towards, but it's interesting. Maybe because there's more people like us in LA where I'm in Maryland, where there isn't a lot of, there isn't an entertainment industry here, really. There's not a lot of personal development. So if I'm like, all right, if I want to, if I want to meet a, like a romantic partner, if I want to meet new friends, then I need to go where those people are. Right. Like I need to go to a yoga studio and meet somebody who's interested in that. Yeah, totally. But I do think that like, regardless of where you live, that that's like to make adult friends or to meet a romantic partner. It's nice to have a commonality that you enjoy. So like when I, I, my boyfriend broke up with me like four something years ago and I like had no friends in LA because all I did was work. And all my friends lived back home in Chicago or like college friends were in New York. And I was like, I need to go find friends. And I joined this leadership group and I found such nice people and they introduced me to people. So I do think that like joining groups of things that you're interested in is super helpful. 100%. Because you have to like go where the people you want to, you have to go where the people you want to be around are. Yeah. I've never thought about it that way. You're right. You're really intentional. Yeah, I mean, I but I always, I mean, I haven't always been this way, but it's taken a lot of time where it's like I'm very goal oriented. So I'm always like, all right, like if if I want to get to a certain place, like how do I get there? Well, I'm not going to get there by just sitting here or looking at my phone or on an app. Like I'm going to get there by putting myself in the arena and just figuring out a way to like meet people and not in a transactional way, but really like. How can I just go there and connect with people? And then it, then it becomes like an energy thing. Like once you get in the room, then, it, then it's all about energy, right? But I think to get in the room, you know, you got to figure out a way to put yourself there. It's a great point. Play the card game. That's what I wanted. That's, yeah, that's... Okay, cool. Question everything. Okay, you tell me when to stop. Uh, stop. What's your superpower, Doug? 
helping people transform their lives. Ooh. See, you're qualified to give advice. I'm not. <laughs> I just, I, I like get other people to tell their stories and experts. You know what I mean? I'm good at giving advice, just not taking my own advice. <laughs> okay. Okay. Tell me when. Go ahead. Aren't you going to answer it? Oh, my superpower? I think it's my connectability. Mm. I, can, I can chat with anybody from any walk of life and, and find common ground. I love that. Yeah. I pick up on that. Thank you. Uh, stop. What, this is funny because of what we just talked about. What is the best advice someone has given you and why? And how about the worst advice? Well, let's start with the worst advice. The worst advice somebody ever gave me was somebody sat me down early in my fitness career when I started sharing my story. And they were like, dude, nobody cares about your story. Like it happened like X amount of years ago. Like nobody cares. Like stop talking about it. Focus on your fitness career. You know, don't write transformational books, write books on how to help people exercise. And then the, I guess the rest is history. But that was yeah, the, the glory is in your story. Come on. Yeah. The best piece of advice I ever, I've gotten, I mean, I've been very fortunate to, to get a lot of advice from people, but the one that I think, I, I tell the story of a, the advice my cellmate gave me when I was incarcerated a lot. So I won't tell that one, but what did he say? Well, when I was in jail, I was, he was asking me why I was in jail and I was telling him that it was because my parents got divorced and because the girls picked on me and, or the girls rejected me and people picked on me and I was blaming everybody else for my problems. And he told me to quit being a victim, I guess it's the PG version. And he was like, you know, you chose to get yourself here. You have two choices in life. Like you can either be a man, look at yourself in the mirror and say, you got yourself here. It's up to you to change or you can go be a victim and go cry in the corner and say, well, was me and blame everybody else for your problems. So that was like a, a ma massive shift for me to understand that even though life hits and circumstances suck, like how I move forward is on me. Are you still friends with him? What a wise guy. He passed away uh, last year, but we'd stayed in touch. I still have a workout plan that he gave me framed in my place. So I never forget where I came from. Spoke at his funeral. Yes, yeah, it was it was really a, a powerful thing that happened to me, and it was I was like gut wrenched, obviously, when he passed. But he sounds like he was a special guy, very special guy, and he taught me the importance of mentorship and knowing that I'm I'm not always going to be the smartest person in the room, and that I don't have everything figured out. My God, how cool that you had this experience! Like usually, people don't talk about their cellmates that way. It's crazy, right? And I was like, I was young, I was 21, so I was able to have this crazy awakening when I was like a young man. How old was he? I don't know. He was maybe like 10 to 15 years older than me or something like that, if I remember correctly. But the, the best piece of advice that I'm like thinking about now after that was I just gone through a breakup and you know, you're in that phase where you're like blaming your ex and you're like bitching about it, right? To people. And it was like, I forget how, I think it was a few days or a week or so after. And one of my like friends was like, Dude, he's like, before you start, like, I forget what he's exactly what he said, but it was something along the lines of, you need to ask yourself, like, what was it about you that tolerated being in this type of a relationship for so long? Like, what was it about you? Like, well, not about them. What was Internal. it about you? Internal. It's so full yeah. circle, Doug. <laughs> yes. He was like, you need to figure that out. And, th and that taught me to not not point the finger and be like, Oh my God, like I attract these types of, cause people do that. Right. And like, and not that like, 
I mean, obviously there's bad partners, right? And there's, there's a lot of blame is warranted in, in many cases with that. However, what I do know is that the only way, the only way to grow is to figure out like what was your role in these types of situations. I love that. That's great advice. What about you? Best advice I've ever gotten. There's so many. One of my mentors is named Steve Carlston. And he said, if you don't build roots while you're young, you'll tip over when you're old. Wow. So I really like that one. I think whatever that means to you, build your roots. Don't, don't just, you know, think that things will happen later. You got to like really think about it now. I love that. You know, Larry King actually gave me great advice. I uh, was on his show one time and we were talking about social media and I was so anxious and nervous to be on his show because I just wanted to do a good job and impress him. And I had pages of notes. I researched so much. And I came with like 20 pages of notes and I, he never had a note. He, ne he was like, no, and he never read the book that he was read, like that the, he was interviewing the guest about because he wanted to ask the questions the audience was wondering. And I'm the opposite. I, I'm like more Barbara Walters school of thought, which is like, questions, research, reorder questions, re-research, all of that. And I, during commercial break, I was like, Larry, am I missing something? Like, do you think I'm missing the magic by being so in my notes and so researched? And he was like, no, everybody has to do what works for them. You got to do what works for you. And I don't think he realized it, but in that moment, he gave me such permission to just be, to just be myself and trust myself and trust my work and my talent and all of that. And yeah, that was a gift he gave me. So that's so cool that you were able to just embrace that. Cause a lot of people would be intimidated to be able to like have a conversation with somebody like that. And then also be able to be able to receive it in the way that you did. He was so welcoming and generous and truly kind. Like anybody who met him would, would feel comfortable asking him. It was him. It wasn't me. He was, he was a beautiful person. The worst advice. So many people said, don't do it. D like, you know, you can't. But in, in some ways, that's great advice because I, I wanted to do it anyways. So for John, you know, the way you said somebody, like somebody said to you, who cares about your story? It's like, if someone says don't do it and you do it anyways, that means like it's in you. You got to go for it. It's, it's so true. I mean, you got to, and you got to use that as like, as fuel, right? You got to not use that as a way to, stop yourself or to feel sorry for yourself or to just go on a rant blaming that person for saying that you got to just say all right like you know why not me like watch me go yeah me why it. not me okay let's do one more yeah we'll do one more uh this one uh, sure okay what game have you spent the most hours playing <laughs> um this says a lot about a person doug careful Recently or in my life? In your whole life. Oh, game I've played. I'll tell you mine. I spent a lot of hours playing Mario Kart with my brother. Oh, a dude, lot of backgammon sure. with my family. A lot of Monopoly. A lot of Blackjack. <laughs> now a lot of Question Everything. Yes, I love it. I'm trying to think of, yeah, definitely Mario Kart, Madden growing up, Mario Golf. Like the whole Mario like system. The whole Mario world. Played a lot of chess in jail, played a lot of Scrabble, 
I love that. Card games like Spades and Pinochle. Played some Monopoly. Pinochle? Are you 75? <laughs> no, but in jail, that's what you play. It's like a thing. That's funny. Yeah, it's like okay, going to Air One. One more. It's like what's going to Air One. What's something you wish people could see about you that they don't see at first glance? I don't know. I'm trying to think of how I want to answer that. I mean, I think the thing, the thing that first comes to mind is that I'm a very genuine and authentic person mm-hmm. and that I really want like the best for people. And I think sometimes like p- that can be hard to see from the outside because people are like, oh, like, why is this person doing a podcast? Why do they have a social media platform? Why are they fill in the blank? Is it because they just want something? I genuinely want to help people. Like I genuinely am doing this because I want somebody listening to this to feel heard and understood and, and to have them feel confident enough to make some sort of shift in their life. That's so beautiful. What about you? I think mine is that I'm serious. I'm like intense and serious, but I wish people could see that I love to laugh. I love to have fun. Love to laugh. Like if somebody's funny, sometimes <laughs> I can be funny, but mostly I just love to laugh at other people's funny. And I don't think you probably see that as much from me on social media. Yeah, you strike me as somebody who's like super serious. But I could definitely see like after talking to you that you definitely have a, a funny side as well. Like after getting to know you on the like, throughout the conversation. Yeah, see, people don't see it because I don't really show it on social because I, I, I don't consider myself like an influencer, you know, so I'm not like showing up as personally, but maybe that's a vulnerability thing I need to work on. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure naturally over time, like if it's something you want to highlight more of your life, I'm sure you will. But I would just say for now, like keep doing you, keep focusing on growing. And I think this leads me into my last question is, you know, it seems like there's been this shift from Danielle 1.0 to Danielle 2.0. Mm. What needs to happen in the next like what needs to happen in the next year or two for you to reach Danielle 3.0? Oh, I love this question. <laughs> Thank you for this. I do feel like I'm 2.0 right now. And I think I'm on the precipice of 3.0. I feel the transition. I feel the pull. I've bossed up a little bit, which is important for me. And that's actually in large part due to the great interviews I get to do because the women I've interviewed have inspired me to speak up and and value myself more. Mm. So 3.0, I think I need to, I've never like, I've always visualized things, but I've never truly manifested. And now I'm starting to be able to see things. Um, I feel like I have a direction. And so 3.0 is living right now is if I already am those things, have those things, do those things. And then I'm hoping they will all come. What are some of the things you're looking to manifest? I can't tell you, Doug. <laughs> come on, Danielle. Give us, a, give us like a sneak peek. I really want Pretty Smart to have more of an, I call it URL to IRL, like an in real life community. Mm. I get so many awesome messages from the women in the community and I want them to know each other because I think they can create and support like who knows what amazing things come from them knowing each other. So I'm, I want to do an in-person like live event. I just want to level up. It's time. I've, I've, I, I think I've planted a lot of seeds and I just want to see them bloom. I love that. Well, I think that's a great place for us 
to end this combo. And Danielle, I wanted to thank you for your vulnerability and being honest and this incredible conversation. I think it's going to help a lot of people. If people want to buy the card game, if they want to follow you on social media, if they want to listen to the podcast, where can they do that? Everything is on my Instagram. It's linked. Uh, my Insta is Danielle Robay, R-O-B-A-Y. And uh, there's links to everything there. It's the easiest way. But I just want to thank you. You really pushed me. <laughs> so I appreciate your thoughtful, intentional questions. And yeah, this has been really nice. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. And I appreciate the kind words. And thanks for being a great guest.